Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm here with three guests, or not guests, contributors. We got Katie over in the, in the blue corner. We got Roddy over in the green corner. What up? There he is, and we got Daniel in the red corner. Red, really? Yeah. Which corner are you in? Uh, I'm uh, orange. Orange is the best color. Everybody knows that. Nobody puts baby in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Roddy, this is your first time. I'm going to start with you, Roddy. This is your first time doing the roundtable with us since the very, very first episode. Me, uh, yourself, and Daniel and and me in my basement. So, it's nice to have you back. But uh, maybe right now, we'll just start off with uh, what's new with you, uh, podcast related, you, you did an interview not too long ago. You got another one set up. You got a couple more on the burner. Why don't you tell everybody about some of the, the big guests that you're, you've gotten, talked to, and we'll be talking to. Uh, well, I guess I, you know, I, I did the 1290 guys and um, Hustler and Rick Ralph. And, of course, I did Scott Campbell, uh, one of the very first episodes. But um, just did Tim, Tim Stapleton, and that was really cool. It's just... Uh, it's pretty much like a, just a couple buddies talking, really. Is uh, yeah, he's a really funny guy, um, super super cool dude. And um, I actually uh, hooked uh, Tim and uh, the Philippine hockey team together. So they're trying to work something out, either um, you know, for him to be part of the team for the Southeast Asian Games coming up at the end of the year. And uh, I kind of I kind of negotiated a special advisor slash head scout for Central Canada position for myself. So uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today we got a tweet back from uh, you know um, uh, Grant Grant Clitsum. So he's uh, he's uh, coming on our show in the very near future. And did did he send you a message already? No, not yet. But yeah. he, he's, 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 he's yeah, he's on record. We got to screenshot that. Make sure he doesn't back out, delete it. You know. There you go. <laughs> well, that's great. So, uh, Ryan, do you get a finder's fee for uh, for uh, hooking Tim Stapleton up with the Filipino hockey team? Hopefully, a free flight and a, tr- a free trip to you know. I I did say that I carry his equipment, so you know um, <laughs> we're kind of a package. We're kind of a package deal now, so. There we go. I love it. The first ever Filipino player in the NHL. There you go. Yes, he was. Yeah. That, that was a that was a really fun interview. You guys uh, seemed like you really hit it off, and I know you guys chatted uh, before and after that too. So that's a a fun connection. And uh, I guess he's probably going to be in Winnipeg during the playoffs. So uh, maybe we'll even get to see Tim Stapleton in person at Roddy's house eating Filipino food. Uh, uh, are we all invited? Well, he, or what? He, he promised he was going to cook. So yeah, for sure. Let's let's do all it right. up. <laughs> that's awesome all right let's get into some jets things uh we uh kind of gave you guys all a list of a couple of the topics we can cover uh maybe we'll start with the jets recent success i mean they uh, one of the complaints about the jets is they haven't beat good teams they beat vegas who beat them in the playoffs last year they went to seven uh against nashville in the playoffs as well and they beat nashville quite handily the other day um katie you've been one person who's been quite critical of the the Jets and they're uh, not really playing up to par even though they are a good team uh what do you think of their recent successes are they as successful as they look on paper because uh again in the standings they're looking good have you seen some stuff from them that's a bit more to your liking 
No. They've kind of been on a PDO bender of, as of late, but, um, you know, everything kind of looks like it has for the past few months. I, I don't know if you guys are seeing anything different from what I see, but they seem to find ways to win even when they're getting handily outshot and outchanced. And, you know, that's that's kind of, it's, it's nice. It's good to bank points, but it's also not super inspiring when you think of, um, what what the team was doing at this point last year versus this year. I did find it kind of funny versus the Golden Knights when um, Gallant was ta- in his post-game presser was saying that, you know, they, they really felt that they were the better team and they, um, you know, shit happens basically. And yeah, nice to, nice to kind of see that kind of come around. <laughs> That's a full circle, yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. Like, I wonder how that feels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we know that feeling all too well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about you, Daniel? You haven't. Have you guys uh, seen anything you... particularly inspiring? Uh, you know what? I'll just say this one thing. Uh, I, uh, you know, most of us will probably uh, poo-poo the idea a little bit, at least, of the idea of just learning to, you know, there's a skill to winning games that maybe you shouldn't be in. And I think there is some truth to that. Like there is value to leadership. There's value to grit. There's value to sort of finding a way to win that, that old cliche. So there is something to that, but it's not really measurable. Nobody's really um, kind of figuring out exactly what the science of that is, but they're finding ways to win. And I think that is a skill in itself that they, they have that's overcoming some of their, their lacking. So uh, I think in that way, I'm happy, you know, obviously the Nashville game was great because it was a, it was a big, you know, five one is a is a whopping win. So that that's always fun to to see that. But again, I don't know if they're playing that that great. But um, I think uh, the results are good. So if they keep up those results and then figure out the getting better and playing better in the process in time for the playoffs, then that would be great. So how about you, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, I'll like they've been you know they've been playing okay lately. Like I think about that Anaheim game where they got handily outshot if. Uh... Is that the one? When did they get smoked in the shots? So that, that that was the Vegas game, right? Where it was like, yeah, 30, yeah, it was Vegas. Forty-four yeah, to twenty-seven. Yeah, that was that was a game, you know. But they did find a way, and like AJ said, you know, sometimes you just kind of find a way to win. I guess is the way to put it. And obviously, we want to see them start to kind of dominate a little more, like in the shot sharing and all that. Those those things, but you know, they banked a lot of points, so. It's good to see that they're, you know, they're at least finding a way to win, which could be important come the playoff times, where sometimes it just takes one or two bad bounces either way to win the game. And sometimes maybe you don't get that finishing talent like you would have like throughout the season, an 82-game stretch, where you're into seven-game mini-seasons, mini-series or whatever against other teams. So that, you know, it's it's... They're not, they're not up to what they were last year so far, but, you know, maybe I think now we're getting into that crunch time coming up to the trade deadline. It's like five weeks away. I believe it's February 25th, if I'm not mistaken. So that's coming up quick, and the Jets still play tomorrow against Dallas, uh, tomorrow night, and then they'll have a nice, what is that, nine-day break there with their week off, plus the All-Star game tied in. So get out there, you know, maybe get rest some of the guys that have been playing 20-plus almost every game this season, and maybe get Hellebuck. I mean, he looked good against Nashville last night, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't catch the whole game, but he, yeah, he only looked- allowed one goal on 38 shots. That's pretty pretty good, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah despite really the uh, goalie chance going on, Hellebuck was actually really good. 
yeah, so that's yeah. something something good to see. You know, Hellebuck maybe. You know, I know obviously it's just one game, but maybe one game turns into a little streak for him. You know, have a good couple of weeks or something, get him back on back on where he should be. Yeah. Well, the the Jets are six and two in the month of January, and they got Buff and Ehlers uh, both injured. Yeah. Some people would uh, note Sherrod. Uh, Roddy, what do you think of their six and two record in the in the twenty nineteen season? Well, I was just so gonna, yeah, I was just going to bring that up without having Buff and Ehlers in the line lineup, and you know, obviously missing Ben Sherrod is a very big uh, blow. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Uh, positives are, you know, Hellebuck looked really, really good last game. Uh, you know, we, we know that we have a more than capable backup goaltender now. And, um, you know, if they start to hit stride, you know, this is a positive that they're, they're in the position that they're in, you know, to be playing as uh, subpar as, as what we're used to as they are, right. And have them first, first in the central. Um, that's a really big plus if they find it, if they can find a way to, even out the line, the secondary scoring uh, yesterday was obviously a plus. Um, if they could start to roll more lines and roll them more consistently, that's what we want to see going forward because we can't afford for Wheeler and Sheffield to be in the mid-20s every game, right? So, but um, those are the positives. The positives are they're, they're winning. Um, and yeah, and they're doing it without buff, which is, which is a big thing too, so. Yeah. And I don't mind. I don't uh, mind. I don't mind how Kulikov's looking the last couple games too. Niku, Niku's play last game especially was, was standing out tremendously. So um, you know some some positives in there. You know, and the secondary yeah. scoring is always a plus, right? Yeah, I was looking uh, in their six games in uh, the month of no, is it seven games? One, two, eight games. It's sorry, in the month of October. Games, yeah. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I think I might have missed one here. In the month of um, January, that's eight games. Or January. In January, yeah. Oh yeah, I was I was doing a little bit of uh, fancy math here. I was thinking, I think they only have one game. Oh, that's why. There we go, because they had the zero uh, against Pittsburgh in the first game. They have one. There are two games where they didn't score at least four goals. They had the zero, the four nothing loss to Pittsburgh, and they had the three two loss to Minnesota. Otherwise, they've scored five, seven, four, 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 five. In games, I, I'm not bothering adding that up right right this moment. But um, Roddy, you mentioned the secondary scoring. It seems like a lot of guys are getting on the the score sheet, so that uh, that that's a good thing. I mean, there's still time to figure out to play their their best hockey. But um, right now, getting uh, like Katie said, uh, getting the points in the bank is definitely helpful. Um, now, Katie, I'm going to go over to you here. Lately, uh, you know, we haven't heard too much from Liney, but uh, there's been a bit of a Brian Little resurgence. We're all concerned about his contract. Uh, what do you see with Brian Little's game? Is he actually doing some good stuff, or is he just getting a little bit lucky, or has he found the Brian Little of old? What's uh, what's his story? Well, I he is getting a little bit lucky for sure. Like the the team in general is get has been a little bit lucky over over the past month, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying you you kind of have to be prepared for that luck to dry up at some point. It's, the PDO is not forever. But yeah, I, I it's some we've seen some encouraging signs from Brian Little for sure. I still don't really believe that he and Patrick Laine are a fit together because even though uh, Little has had some flashes of brilliance lately and he started to score again, that line just isn't really isn't driving play. So you kind of do expect for that to slow down at some point in time. And obviously I'm talking about five on five here. I'm not discussing his performance on the power play, but yeah, I, 
it, it is also like a confidence thing too. I mean, you get your chances and there's a lot of luck involved, but once you start scoring again, you can get some confidence going. And that's probably a really big thing for Brian Little, you know, given how the first part of the season was going. Right. And how last season went too, right? Yeah, that's a true. Bit of a down season. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll keep uh, moving along from there. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to uh, let you take the topic of the aviator jersey. <laughs> what do you think of it now? Has it grown in you? I've, uh, it still is a topic of conversation that comes up a, a lot. And, uh, you know, we're going to get to talk about uh, Lemieux and Patan because that's always the funnest conversation. I know people are sick and tired of it, but it's, it's those uh, fringe players that I think are the most interesting topics um, just because that's probably where you find the little bits to, to get even better is uh, making those guys better. But with the aviator jersey, in my mind, this is how I picture Brennan Lemieux. He's wearing an aviator jersey. Um, some people really like it, but as a whole, it didn't sell very well. Whereas Batan is more like the heritage classic. We don't wear it very much. We don't see it very much. <laughs> but it's been very popular and very good when it's out there. So, uh, Daniel, anyhow, just uh, the Aviator jersey. You got any uh, updated comments about it? Has it grown in you? What do you think, uh, fans? Are, do you think we see it again after this year? Or is it a bit like the, what was that, the camouflage bomber jersey from a couple of years ago? Well, it's not as bad as the camouflage bomber jersey, at least. So that's a good thing. But I think, you know, I think with the, the Heritage Classic next year in, in Saskat- Saskatoon or wherever the heck they're playing that and somewhere in between Calgary and Winnipeg. Regina? Is it Regina? Is that yes, is that it where is. it is? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Katie. Um, they have yeah. So they'll get a new jersey next year, and you can't really wear like that would put them up to five jerseys total. I guess you got the home away, and then Heritage, then the Aviator, <coughs> then New Heritage, right? right? So that's that's a handful of jerseys, and I guess you know maybe that's a good just wear a bunch of jerseys. I say have eight. Think of all <laughs> the think of all the revenue. The two all-star jerseys, did you mention those? Yeah, the two all-star jerseys too, I guess, coming out now. The black, all black, and then the all white. That'll be another uh, white-out jersey. I'm sure people will scoop those up, the folks that are uh, financially able to do so. Yeah. I don't mind, actually, I don't mind the all-star jerseys. Maybe we should talk about the all-star jerseys. I don't, I don't, I don't mind them. People are saying, uh, I think, whatever, it's an all-star game. Like, it's going to be a little bit plain, I think. And I like that they have the, each team's logo on each color jersey you know what i mean like that they'll be wearing in the actual game not just one that says like central division or pacific division that's that's kind of cool yeah roddy how about you i don't mind the aviator jersey i don't if somebody gave me one i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't burn it or anything but <laughs> I, I don't mind it i don't i don't mind the, the aviator jersey any jersey I, you know i really don't give a shit either way <laughs> sorry <laughs> as long as they're winning i think <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, no, I mean they're cool. You know, like I said, if if anybody got me one, especially for my birthday coming up next month, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> like hypothetically, if a group of people that did a podcast together pooled their money together and gave you one, you you wouldn't say no. Or or if somebody played this podcast for my children and you know they're looking for something to pitch in to to buy dad, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. No. So, anyways. Carry on. We'll keep that in mind. So, right now, uh, touching on uh, touching on the aviator jersey, I think we'd be remiss to not talk about the play of Laurent Brossois because uh, the, him and the aviator jersey are synonymous. So, uh, what do you think of our backup goalie? Uh, should we sign him to six mil a year, or you think? Uh, what do you think of his play and the future of him 
with the Jets. I know it's early to say that we're only halfway through the season, but it's always fun to speculate. So let's do it. Uh, he he looks good. Like he's calm. He's calm in net. He lo- he, he looks calm. He's always square to the puck. Um, you know, backups are backups in limited roles, right? Like I mean, let's look at 2014. Uh, our backup carried us and you know held us in position again to the playoffs, right? Michael Hutchinson. So, I mean, everybody should chill a little bit on on anointing him. Like he's he's obviously playing well, and you know he did beat he did beat the Knights the other night, and um, I mean. The hot backup. There, there's like a handful of them every year that that seem to show up uh, for for all the teams, right? So, yeah. um, he's finally getting a chance to play, and you know, working out with with Hallibuck in the off season obviously has paid off for him. Um, he's he's done well, and he's he, he's played the soft the soft games for the Jets up until the the Vegas game, and and he's done well. And obviously, we can't deny that, right? He's he's playing well, and, you know. Uh- what can you say? And a lot of those guys that have that backup role too, they usually, a lot of them uh, seem to find, you know, starter roles or a bigger position somewhere else the following year. So not to, you know, um, like for his career, I think it's probably a good thing to have a standout year like this. And, you know, maybe he gets a full-time starter role with, I don't know, uh, hey. uh, Florida or something like that. Like some Philadelphia. Okay, there he goes. There, thank you. And, and playing as a backup, like I mean, we we got to think mentally. It's 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 probably a, a a really easy gig, especially when you're playing as few games as 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 he has, um, you know, to start the year, right? You're you're pretty, <coughs> you know, there's you know the expectations of you aren't aren't too high, so there there isn't that pressure on you, and and you come in and and you and you play relaxed and i think that you know you got to take that into account too with 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 how he's come into this year right so um kudos to him kudos to him finding his game you know he's he's getting he's getting a good shot to play play some important games here and 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 he's doing well like i said uh, his technique is good like he's square to the puck he's calm he, he looks confident out there so you know i i don't uh, i don't have anything bad to say about his game obviously he's he's uh he's lights out right now so yeah yeah that's uh, a good uh i i just I'll just add one quick thing on that he's 11 11 one and one i think right now uh Brassois. so that's 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 the extra points like usually you expect you want your backup obviously to win every game but you know if your backup's going 500 so say Brassois six five and one so think about that he's won maybe we'll say five games over what we'd maybe expect. So that's like 10 points right there. That's why the Jets are in the first in the central. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was just something I thought of. That, that 10 points right now, if you, if you took that off the Jets, uh, they're sitting at 64 points here, 47, 31, or sorry, 47 games played. They're 31, 14, and two for 64 points. If you take 10 points off, they would be sitting in third in the central. And well, let's see that one. Two, three, four, uh, fifth in the West, I believe. So, yeah, that's a big difference, like you said, to to get that kind of production out of him. Um, good for him and uh, good for us, right? I mean, that's great. And uh, we can't talk about Laurent Brossois. This is my rule without mentioning that he's the best looking Jet. So, Katie, uh, can you back me up here? Is he the best looking Jet? <laughs> he he is pretty good looking. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really hard question, actually, because as much as it bothers me to admit, Ben Sherrod is a beautiful man. So you said that a couple it, times. It would have to be between those two, to be honest. <laughs> well, and 
to be fair, I was thinking the other day, and I'm not a fan of this player, but well, Nick Patan is actually a decent looking guy, but Brendan Lemieux is actually a decent looking guy too. So no, I know Ryan, no. it's a good thing Ryan's not here because yeah. Ryan, Ryan hates this. Yeah, no, no, he is. I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying he is. Sorry. Uh, it's a fact, but uh, Rossois is uh, number one for me. And it I, is not I, I fact. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have any stats to back it up, so therefore it is, it is not a fact. It looks look 60. That's what, that's what we're looking uh, for. I'm uh, just yeah. like, speaking from my experience as a like heterosexual woman. I, I don't find him good looking at all. M maybe it's the fact that he's who he is. We're talking and I with you, right? I can't stop picturing yeah. the the MAGA hat, but yeah, doesn't do it for me. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll trust. Okay. I'll trust. Kate, I'll trust Katie's opinion over yours, AJ. So no, that's so, fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, I, I I thought I had great taste, but apparently I don't. <laughs> I still said Rosal is number one. Anyhow, let's move along. Uh, so the Jets are doing well. They're uh, six and two in January. They're not playing the greatest, but they seem to have uh, found a way to win. So that's uh, that's good. Um, but uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, yesterday. Brandon Lemieux had himself a game. Had uh, two goals and one penalty. Um, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got to mention the penalties for for him whenever they have whenever he has them, only because uh, that's kind of what he's uh, known for a little bit. But uh, afterwards, it seemed like a lot of people drank the Brendan Lemieux Kool Aid if they hadn't already. Um, Roddy, maybe you could speak to uh, Brendan Lemieux how he's actually been playing the last what uh, 10, 12, 15 games, and uh, give an honest assessment, not just uh, you know your your uh, maybe a bias that you might have, but an honest assessment of his game. What you've seen, has there been any improvements, and uh, what does his uh, two-goal game uh, yesterday mean for for him? Um, <laughs> uh, how's he been playing? You know what? Um, how has he been playing? Um, I don't really try to pay too much attention to Brendan Mew, but all I can say is up until yesterday's game, um, you really only noticed him for everything bad that he was doing on the ice. I, I, that's, that's how I noticed him anyways. Um, he always seems to be kind of not, not at the, you know, on the ice where he should be uh, at any point in time. Um, I, I don't know how many really bad offsides he's, he, he, he's been a culprit of, but I don't know. And you know what? I, I don't know. Other than him smiling after he gets into a fight, I don't know really what he contributes to to the on ice play, but I don't know. I, well, a lot of people seem, I, seem, seem to think that yesterday was sort of a in your face to the Brendan Lemieux haters, whereas uh, I think most of us would agree uh, that that's a small sample size and anomaly. And players that get opportunities sometimes do things with their opportunities and well, shouldn't be uh, pra you, overly praised for one game. When you're playing with Appleton and Cobb, I mean, you're going to get opportunities, I guess, in a fourth line uh, situation, right? Um, and like I said earlier today, even a blind squirrel will find another two once in a while, right? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the, the Brendan Lemieux uh, topic, I know that ties into the Batan only because it'd be one of them in the press box. It wouldn't be uh, Tana because a lot of you know, even Maurice himself has said that uh, Batan is a top nine guy. So. And Lemieux isn't a top nine guy, or at least not right now in, in most people's opinion. So really, it'd probably be Tanev that would be the person that's 
taking Patan's job if we think of him as a top nine and not being able to crack that. Not so much Brendan Lemieux, even though they would be the two training spots in the, the press box. But so we, we know Tanev's not coming out. Um, but obviously, the, so that's why the Lemieux debate runs into the Patan debate, even though there's a, a little bit of difference of obviously style and, and usage there. Uh, or what the usage should be, and what Maurice says that he would, he would do. So, uh, Katie, maybe you could tackle what you think is the plan for for Nick Batan. I mean, uh, it seemed like he had a good chance of making the team this year. And Daniel and I, I think we just chatted just briefly about um, about the fact that he missed all training camp, missed the whole preseason, and uh, because of the death of his father. So, had he been there, maybe he gets a better look, a better chance. Maybe he makes a team at that point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe, Katie, you can kind of clarify or tell us what you see with the Patan situation. Obviously, you can't talk about his on-ice results, uh, anything recently. But, uh, yeah, the Patan man, what's up? Uh, well, I, it's kind of amazing, actually. Like, y- you could watch, while you're watching the game, you get the idea that the poor guy has had uh, so many opportunities and just nothing has worked out for him. He's been really unlucky. But I didn't really know how unbelievably unlucky he was until I started to kind of look at some numbers about 15 minutes before we got on the uh, podcast. And he, uh, among players in the league who have played more than 30 minutes, he has the 13th worst PDO. It's by far the worst on the team. It's insane. And it like, it's almost it's almost like it's beyond bad luck at this point. I'm worried that somebody might have put like a hex on him <laughs> or maybe he built a house on a burial ground or something, but it's really amazing. And like we were talking about Lemieux before, it, it's the polar opposite situation. Mm-hmm. Like whatever horseshoe uh, Marc-Andre Fleury had shoved up his ass for the entirety of the Western final, like it fell out and Brendan Lemieux found it. he is leading the team in shooting percentage uh like um more than shifley like 21.7 that's crazy and will that will not last uh so i just it's just amazing how like a little these tiny sample sizes you expect things to kind of swing but this is just it's just a massive massive disparity between them and like right now, I think Nick Patan is kind of in that place where, you know, you know how when a general manager sells low on a player that's kind of underperforming, but all of the underlying numbers suggest that he's going to bounce back and we all make fun of that GM for it. Mm-hmm. That's what Nick Patan looks like right now. So whether it's with the Jets or with another team, I have a lot of faith in him that he will be a at least an average middle six NHL player, and he'll be able to contribute at that level. I do think that it would be in the Jets' best interest to give him another crack, simply because he has had success at driving play this year. Again, very small sample size, but that's one thing that the Jets have really struggled with this year, especially at the center role. So it, it wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Especially on lower down the lineup, right where it's yeah. uh, limited minutes. Uh, people argue, say, "Why well, talk about these players when they have limited minutes?" But it's also probably the be- best place where you can try guys out without feeling like it's going to disrupt everything, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So um, I looked up uh, in the last two years, uh, Lemieux has actually played more minutes now than Patan. But he's at 280 minutes. Patan is 220 minutes. That's that's total minutes. That's not uh, penalty killing power play, which neither of them would have had very much of in the last two years. But uh, so when people just kind of feel like Lemieux, when did he even get called up? I think it was around the Finland trip or something, which is what two and a half months ago. So in that amount of time that he's played, in the very limited amount that he played last year, he's already surpassed you know Nick Patan for the last two years, whatever he had this year. And last year, so sometimes when people talk about Nick Patan getting an opportunity, I mean, his his average time on ice has been going down every year for the last four years. It's dropped. Um, and then over that uh, time, he's, in the last two years, really hasn't had much of an opportunity, or at least you could argue less of an opportunity than um, than Brendan Lemieux, which is kind of funny because, well, I, I obviously, like I mentioned, he had missed some time at the beginning, but uh, would definitely, I agree with you, Katie. I think it'd be great to see him back in the lineup, see what he can do, because uh, I don't think that could hurt hurt it, uh, hurt the team at all, right? Be, having a guy on the fourth fourth line getting uh, six, seven minutes a night just to see what they got and get him, get him going. Uh, Roddy or Daniel, do either of you have anything to add to the Brennan Lemieux or Patan I, topics? I don't think that'll happen this year, though. To be honest, no. I, don't, I don't think Patan gets another chance. I don't know. I don't see how he gets another chance, especially if, when Ehler, if and when Ehlers gets gets healthy. Like he doesn't trust him enough now to to insert him in the lineup over over Lemieux or anybody else, right? So yeah. unless there's another another injury now, and with the way the roster is now with Ehlers hurt, I don't think he sees the lineup. Yeah, and, and we're yeah. Coming up, a big break in the so if someone was injured tomorrow. Uh, against Dallas. I mean, they still got eight days to probably feel better if they got a little twinge or something like that, unless it's a more serious injury, which, you know, God forbid for any of them, I never wish uh, any player to, to be injured just to see a guy that I like in it. But uh, yeah, it's. And, uh, and, and Maurice has, has pretty much said that. He pretty much said that last week, right? Like, um, yeah. That's, yeah. That's how he's going to get his opportunity. So I don't, I don't think he sees it, which is, you know, which is flawed. In every sense, like if he's not destined to be on this roster, I don't know why they they don't plug him in on the fourth line to get some minutes and to get some numbers and to showcase him for maybe some trade bait because um, he obviously is not he's not trusted by Maurice for whatever reason to be in this lineup. So you know, yeah. even though they're in first place, even though they have a they have an injury to Ehlers, even though you know they've got a fourth line that's that's playing limited minutes right now he doesn't trust him enough to insert him in the lineup so that to me it's it's super flawed logic right now like i mean there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the lineup especially if he's not destined to be on this roster in, in some way shape or form right but like i agree with you there roddy but i mean with the exception of the last game maurice doesn't trust the fourth line at all to play like they're constantly playing under 10 minutes per game and that's driving up minutes for the top line which is not good so i what i don't understand and this is not coming from you it's you know coming from the coaching staff if you you know if you don't trust those guys on your fourth line to play 10 minutes per night then why not try mixing it up? Like, honestly, what do you have to lose? You're just going to yeah. play them another six minutes a night again, honestly. And, and that's my point. He, he, he doesn't even trust him enough to insert into the lineup onto the fourth line that he doesn't trust to play at all, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, it's crazy to me that he's, he's that far down 
the depth chart for 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 Ruiz at this point, like. It's not. It's. It, I. It's. It's just not gonna happen. Like Maurice, like, is Paul Maurice. There's nothing that's changed about him really in any way, shape, or form. Like, he, I feel like he, he has trust issues. He has trust. He, if if you're not a veteran, he doesn't. <laughs> if if you're not if you're not a big guy, he doesn't. Like if you're not big, if you lack if you lack in stature, you've got to prove yourself even more, right? Like. Uh, he's he's stuck in the '90s with a lot of his mentality. To be yeah, honest. If, if you're under six feet, you be you have to be able to skate like Ehlers, and if you can't do that, then there's no place for you on this team. Yeah. basically. and it's amazing because I mean, take a guess at what the smallest team in the league this year is. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting! Wow, interesting! And, and he's and and for for every he's always talking about the heavy game and. And everything that you know what I, I, it amazes me how 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 you know stuck in in old ways he is like and he you know he's a veteran guy first he's loyal to a fault like we we have to we have to admit that like it's gonna be interesting to me what happens when Ben Sherrod gets healthy because you know and I think Samiku is playing himself into into you know into into a place where. He, he can't be taken off this lineup, but if there's anybody that's going to take him out of the lineup, it's Paul Maurice. Like, I, I don't know. You think yeah, that, at this point in time, after what we've seen in the past month and a bit, that Maurice would continue to play Joe Morrow over Niku? Katie, Katie, you have uh, you have issues with Joe Morrow. We've all know this from before. <laughs> we know that you're a Boston fan, so I don't know. If you could truly speak objectively about Joe, Joe Morrow, but everything you say about him is absolutely true. So we'll just uh, just echo what you say, even though yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that's 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 what the perception was. That's what Paul Maurice's perception was at the beginning of you know, yeah. that, that's that his his opening day roster is is who he thinks are 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 the number one, you know, the top guys on the team. Does he ever does he ever change that opinion? Only when there's an when there's a when there's an injury like go back to last year, Cal Connor. Where did he start? Like, I mean, if if Perot doesn't get injured, I don't think you know that early. I don't think Cal Connor ever emerges next last year. Like, like think how scary think how scary that is. Like, he he wasn't deemed good enough to be on on the opening day roster. Like you're telling me, the cup of coffee that he had in the AHL at the beginning of last year made a difference in his career growth? No. no. Paul Maurice locked out with an injury, and you know he he was forced to keep him in. Like if if Ben Sherrod is healthy in the next few weeks, I don't know if that's enough time for Sammy Niku to 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 make an impression. Yeah, especially with eight days off, right? <laughs> to not make yeah, it impressed. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Sherrod will be back after the, the yeah, it's, if, if not, yeah. As crazy as it sounds, that's, that's uh, you know, I, I could almost bet the farm on it. Like, this is Paul Maurice, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you talk about uh, Sammy Niku. Maybe we'll throw that, that topic over to you, Daniel. Danny, you, you've probably seen him play more than any of us, for sure, because of uh, your time watching the Moose. Uh, do you have any uh, strong comments about Sammy Niku and specifically maybe his game the last, uh, what, the last two games, I believe, he's been in, or three games, uh, whatever it's been? Maybe you talk about what you saw from him, his growth, and uh, 
if he looks like the confident youngster he usually is when he's playing in the AHL, uh, dicing up guys there. Yeah, so actually, I just want to go back to the Patan thing. I was going to hop in okay. before we switched to, <laughs> switch to Niku. I, I was just kind uh, of very intrigued. Before um, I hijacked the, everything? No, it was, it, was, it was great. I just wanted to add the one thing there. Like, when Patan was playing generally in the last <laughs> couple of years, he was playing alongside Hendricks or Thorburn or Peluso or anchors like that. Or Tana and, when he was really bad. Yeah, and, and Brendan Lemieux gets to come in and play against two decently offensive guys like play or play with two decent like cop is cop is a good good hockey player for sure and mason appleton has kind of emerged he's kind of actually appleton kind of surprised me of how like he hasn't done much on the score sheet but he's actually playing decently i would say from the eye test i haven't actually looked into it too much but you know they look they look good out there and they've been carrying lemieux like by like by his bootstraps the whole way like dragging him by the ear or whatever and i just i looked at uh Katie, I mentioned the the PDO for Patan. Like, I just that's it's just atrocious. It's yeah, it's pretty awful. She's she is definitely correct in that in that assessment. And Lemieux is is about average, but his shooting percentage is like over twenty or something like that. That's that's just nuts. But uh, yeah, so that that's I'll just end on that, and I'll I'll go go to Niku. Um, one thing that I did think about yesterday, I think Niku yesterday, it was his. 26th or 7th game of the season playing in either the AHL or the NHL. So as we know, the Jets just played their 47th game last night, I believe. So he's been in just around, <laughs> just over 50%, uh, just over 50% of Jets games that were have been played. And the Moose have also played about 40. So he's played about 50% of the available games that he's been like healthy. Like he hasn't been injured or anything. He's just been up in the press box for two very long stints and that's not good to develop a young especially a young player that was a seventh round seventh he was seventh round draft pick right yeah so he's he needs he, you know he's a big project and you want this guy playing so if you're going to call him up for a long period of time like it's been like i understand sometimes you need an insurance for a road trip or something you call the guy up for a week-long road trip and press box and that's fine but you can't have him with the moose across the hallway sitting in the press box for three weeks, four weeks at a time or whatever it has been. And that's part of the reason why, you know, you struggle, especially for a young guy who still hasn't quite figured out the NHL game. The speed is, is way different than the AHL. It is like the AHL is a good league, but the NHL is just that much better. So it's hard to, to just hop in the lineup as a young, a young guy who hasn't, has no, hardly any games, like under maybe push, pushing 10 games now in the NHL and to come in and you don't even really know when you're playing with Joe Morrow, Katie's favorite all-time player. I'm gonna maybe I'll get her a, a Joe Morrow Aviator jersey. <laughs> oh my um, god, it's like a nexus of things that I just don't like. <laughs> so he's playing um, with Joe Morrow on his off wing, right? On his, well. Yeah, so that's that's a big problem too. And you know he's been like last like the two out of three games, him and Morrow actually had positive uh, five on five Corsi, I believe, just the one game against Anaheim where the team got slaughtered, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's played three. This was his third game last night, and both two out of three, they were over 50, and the one game they were way, like, well under, like, like what I'm talking, like 15% or something like that. So he has been carrying Moro, and as I've seen, you know, sometimes he's out there, and Moro's not nowhere near where any hockey player would ever be uh, in the defensive zone or breaking the zone. <laughs> 
and that just uh, that 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 just doesn't help you when you're especially when you're a young guy. Sometimes you know you gotta like you expect the guy that's played in the league for more than a cup of coffee that you've had. Like what what like where 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 are you, Moro? Like Moro's breaking out the zone and Niku's all by himself and there's three three opposing guys still in the zone. Like where where are you going? But it's just stuff like stuff like that that you kind of notice. So we gotta we can't put too much judgment on Niku right now until he actually plays with uh, an, uh, an NHL an NHL quality defenseman not a, a ninth defenseman on what I think is the ninth defenseman on the jet step chart is, is Joe Morrow maybe the tenth even I don't know hmm. throw I almost forgot about Poolman maybe yeah so Schilling Schilling yeah well Schilling actually you know what I said and that's one thing I said too when you have a, a minor that that's the guy you want called up to sit in the press box for two or three weeks. Yeah. You want you want Schilling up there. You don't want Sammy Niku sitting three weeks. You want Sammy Niku up, you know, maybe he, he plays two out of three games when he's called up and then you set him right. down. Right. That kind of thing. So that I'll 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 end on that. I spent a spent a few minutes on that, but that's just there's a lot of variables before we can completely judge Niku. I mean I like I said he bar- he's barely played ten NHL games now. And he did oh, have a couple we, of great, great offensive zone rushes yesterday. Like when he's in the O zone, he's like a wizard. He played the three on three overtime the other day. Like it oh, was just yeah, spectacular, right? So there's a lot of offensive potential. And if you get someone that actually knows where they should be in the defensive zone, that'll definitely help. I don't like this whole, uh, we can't judge on a small sample size because everyone's already anointed Brendan Lemieux, the uh, power play specialist of the future uh, with uh, tipping goals now, right? Yeah, that um, 25% <laughs> shooting percentage is definitely uh, I mean, sustainable. Number one squirrel, number one squirrel. Number one. <laughs> 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 All right. So I'm going to go over to Katie here. Um, just specifically, if you could talk about uh, Patrick Laine, our boy. Um, we've, uh, you know, obviously his month of November was amazing. Uh, he hasn't been scoring nearly at the same rate that he has before. Um, I don't really care that he gets those goals on the, the power play and stuff as he figures it out because the team's in first. But uh, what do you think of Patrick Laine's game? He gets a lot of criticism. Um, similar, I think, to the way that Buff would. Buff could be like the best defender, like going back a couple of years, the best defender, uh, you know, eight out of ten nights, but on nine and ten nights, uh, on number nine and number ten, all of a sudden people just eat him alive. And uh, so what do you think of Liney and his game? Uh, how can we fix him? Or are you worried? Not worried? What's up with the guy? I was keep in mind, sorry, keep in mind Lemieux, has, Lemieux has scored four times more goals than uh, Patrick Liney in the last nine games. So oh, that's right, something yeah. to think about. Yeah. But uh, anyway, sorry, sorry. I just had to add that in there. No, I was just going to say, like, I was literally going to bring up the buff comparison. Are, are you a psychic? Like, you read my mind. I don't know. Um, I think we think the same. There you go. That's all. <laughs> so I I was kind of wondering about Lane and um, the way he's been playing this year. And I mean, what we do know about him, um, it's been true of him ever since he broke into the league. He is a passenger on whatever line he plays on, five on five. Like he doesn't drive play. He's basically there to shoot. And that's fine. But usually those guys kind of need to play with a play driver to get positive results. And um, I'll just say right now that Marat had a fantastic article about this in The Athletic a little while ago. Uh, I would recommend checking it out because he explains it far better than I will ever be able to. But yeah, I had a look at some of Line A's line results and... um, 
they've been consistently kind of in the bad column, both in terms of generating chances for and allowing chances against. But the one kind of constant on, you know, in all of those line combinations is Brian Little. Like they are, they've been attached uh, kind of the same way that Shifley and Wheeler have um, for all of the season so far. And I kind of got to thinking, you know, sometimes when play, when a, players play together their results are better than you would expect either one to be on their own a good example for the Jets would be Tyler Myers and Dmitry Kulikov like neither one of those guys has had good results with anybody else um, any any non-Bufflin player on the Jets but you put them together and for some reason like that, that pairing is more than the sum of its parts. Like they've been doing really, really well ever since Kulikov came back from injury. And then like, why can't the opposite be true? If you have good chemistry, why can't you have bad chemistry? Like there's, there's an argument to be made that maybe Brian Little and Patrick Laine just don't go together like that. You want to maximize both of those players' skill sets. And we know that, um, Brian Little really isn't a driver of play either. So it just kind of seems like by constantly playing them together, uh, Maurice has put them in a situation, both of them, where, you know, it's not, they don't have the best chance of succeeding. So I know this won't happen because it's Maurice and he seems to uh, think that Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler should never be separated ever. And then, like he's just really married to some of those combos, but I really think it's time to break up those lines and see how Line can perform on with other centers elsewhere in the lineup. And like that's something that the Jets need to figure out now. As you guys brought up before, they're in first place. They have a little bit of a cushion, but they need to get Patrick Line playing back the way he was last year before the playoffs start and like now would be a good time to try and optimize the lineup and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it's worth a try because mm-hmm. right now at like every combination of the line uh, line a and little lines is not doing well right. funny that you mentioned that though because we spoke about that on the first one round table like explicitly we talked about we we touched on brian little and we talked about uh, line a having to play with a play driver and that little wasn't that guy you guys remember that yeah i do yep. yeah that's that's right yeah yep. i i thought that little and uh, wheeler would be wheeler would be the person that they would reunite with uh, uh yeah wheeler reuniting with little to try and get little back to uh something resembling what we we know him to be that's uh that was something i thought could work and still still could potentially work because i'm i'm all for splitting up uh Shifley and wheeler um and we, we know that Oh, sorry. Oh, I was nope. just going to say, and we know that Line has good results when he plays with the play driver, like somebody who can carry him. We saw that yeah. with Stastny. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a good, that's yeah. I mentioned, I think in the last round table, I said, he has to play with somebody who is better than him. That's, that's basically, then I guess the driving play is kind of what you're getting at there, Katie. But I mean, that's pretty much going to be, I know uh, Matthew Perot would not be considered a better player than him. But I was uh, just going to say Matthew uh, Perot would be the perfect match. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, because of the idea of splitting up Shifley and Wheeler, if, if those who are on board with that idea, Shifley would probably be the best match that you could put him with. 
Uh, although I, I love the pro idea, I'm, I'm all all here for, uh, for that. But I think likely, if we were ever to see that, uh, we'd probably see it with um, with just lining on that top line with uh, Wheeler and Shafer, which he's already been uh, for a little bit this year when uh, Connor, you know, was having some downtime, so he popped dealers up there to try and get some out of him. Then he popped lining up there, so I think that's more than likely that he ends up on that line. And I think if he's on that line, we're going to see some stuff from him, but it doesn't help the other lines, right? So. And honestly, like if you look at statistical profiles, Connor is a very similar player to Line. They're great yeah. shooters, but neither one of them drive play. And I think Line gets a little more flack for giveaways uh, simply because he has the puck more often than Connor. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, neither of one of them produce those results. And you saw um, last year, pretty much the whole year how well Connor did when he was up on the Shifley line. And then we recently saw him go absolutely stone cold as soon as, as soon as he was moved down to Little's line and Ehlers took his place. And then Ehlers, who was not doing well for the majority of the season, all of a sudden started producing like crazy. Well, so, yeah. Anybody you put with Shifley and Wheeler is going to produce, right? Mm -hmm. like, Even Brendan Lemieux. Well, yeah. <laughs> easy, easy, Daniel. How do we boot Daniel out of this thing now? Yeah. Even... <laughs> just kick him out. Well, um, you know, uh, one thing that, just to kind of be fair, um, I think that I just want a little take on the uh, on Paul Maurice, because we've all mentioned him. I think we all kind of agree that there's things that we would prefer that he do, but I mean, everybody does. I'm sure even if we wouldn't even come to consensus between all of us. But I had a good conversation with Scott Campbell, uh, just sort of a, a private one about him because <laughs> saying, well, who, who would you want instead of Maurice? Like, okay, if you don't like Maurice or you don't like what he does, who would be a better coach? And I had to think about it because I, you know, know a bit about some of the coaches, but I think this is maybe a new way of, but at least it was for me when somebody point blankly asked me that. I think the better way of doing it is saying, who's, uh, what's the best way to optimize this team? And is a coach that's doing it uh, that's coaching this team doing that because Paul Maurice is uh, like every idea, every good idea that you have, everything that you like, he is the guy to institute because he is currently the coach. And so it doesn't matter if you like, you know, uh, Laviolette or something, he's not here. It doesn't matter. So, and so Paul Maurice might very, very well be the best coach in the whole league. If he had a team full of veterans or something like that, and he might get the most out of them, right? The coach's job is to get the most out of the players that he has. And I think like you alluded to Katie, the Jets are still, like, again, it's it's amazing that they're the first in the West. Great. That's awesome. We love the games. We love the goals. Great. They're scoring a lot. You're getting secondary scoring. But still, um, there's parts of their game that they're getting caved in. There's still some players that should be out of the lineup, likely, uh, and others that would fit in better. And so in that, I would say that's probably a better way to um, evaluate Paul Maurice uh, as opposed <clears throat> to comparing him to other coaches and most losses. I know that's uh, stuff all fun to talk about. But is he getting the most out of this team? And if he's not, I think that should be the, the knock against uh, him because um, I think that's a, the fairer thing. He coaches this team. He doesn't coach another team. And he may very well, like I said, be the best coach somewhere else. And, and we can have a coach that you like. Maybe we get just say the Jets get Quenville or something. They fire Maurice tomorrow They get Quenville. Well, maybe Quenville does the exact same thing because we know, you know, 200 hockey men all think the same. <laughs> right? it's, it's like, and it's just recycling. Uh, um, 
the, the same guys and the same ideas. And so everybody that seems like a good idea or would do better, then maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they, they get stuck. Uh, they all have their blind spots. They get stuck in other ways too. So anyhow, that, that's just something I like to say is don't compare Maurice to other coaches. Don't compare other teams, you know, because they have different styles. They maybe have different uh, uh, personnel. Is Maurice getting the most out of this lineup? And if he isn't, that should be the criticism against him is specifically compare him to what he has. And uh, he should definitely get credit for the stuff that he did. He's got a very good team. They're first in the West. It's great for them. But this team should be playing definitely better than they are playing. And that, I think, at some point falls on him. So my criticism against him is he is not getting the most of this lineup. I don't want to – I don't know enough about every other coach to – kind of go and compare him and be like, oh, he sucks or he's got the most losses all the time. Yeah, he's been coaching 20 years, right? He's also 10th on wins. It doesn't matter. He's, he's not coaching those teams. It's, he's not Toronto or, or Russia or Carolina or anything. It's the Winnipeg Jets. Is he doing the most with this team? That's all I care about. And it seems in like he's not. So. In, in fairness, I think he, someone was looking at this the other day. His winning percentage is at like 583 with the Jets since being with the Jets. <laughs> and he's, he's coached a couple bad teams and he coached, you know, with, with a few seasons with Andre Pavlik as a starter. So yeah. 583 isn't anything to sneeze at. I know the last two seasons have been, have been great. And maybe, you know, and we like to say that the roster is making it easy for him to be successful, but, um, you know, and, and also good goaltending um, makes, makes for a good coach too. Right. So I know that yeah. he's benefited from that the last couple of seasons, but, I don't know. If you just go over the last couple of seasons of coaches that we, you know, maybe people, whether it's us or someone else, would probably rank ahead of Paul Maurice uh, that have been fired, right? This is this is the nature of the business. You got to be the right guy at the right time with the right group, otherwise you're out of here, right? And he's the guy that's you know in the right place at the right time, so he's got the the best opportunity to do with it. But I mean, Lindy Ruff was fired. I mean, Carlisle's been fired. Uh, Boudreaux's been fired. Sutter's been fired. Uh, Terry's been fired, right? <laughs> yeah, he's a top four coach though, based on last season. And he's a coach of the central team in, in the all at the All Star game this year. You know, right, right place, right time, right. I mean, yeah. that's that that's what it comes down to. So uh, credit for that. And and I mean, uh, I criticize him as much as anybody, but I mean, good for him. He's got our team uh, sitting pretty. Now just make some adjustments and make this team play better. That's all. That's all I want. And and if he's the guy to do it and not sort of pat the analytics on the head, um, just just go out and do it. Make this team the best it can be. Move the lineup the way that it should be. That's that's all I have to say. And anyhow, let's move along. Uh, Roddy, I want to ask you, uh, after last night, Bren, uh, the Bren Lemieux thing, uh, there were some tweets even from the media that were um, seemed to pray, uh, praise Lemieux uh, more than uh, maybe he deserved and aren't uh, being very honest about their uh, their love affair with him. Uh, I'm curious if you have anything to say about media bias or, or anything to do with that. I know you're friends with a bunch of guys in the media and we've had guys on, but I'm curious what you think about um, maybe are people being disingenuous, maybe not even media, but I mean that's those are the people that get the most retweets and attention. So the maybe the media's response to Lemieux and, and uh, you know, I guess Batan would be part of that, and and Tanev too. I think uh, he gets a lot of attention that you know is is unusual for yeah third liner, right? Yeah, I, I think I think the the media that that's been that that tweeted about it are you know they're they're basically just trying to get a rise on a Jets Twitter, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> doing a little bit of a troll job and and you know and and having fun with it because you know what. 
Twitter was like you know Jets Twitter was on fire last night regarding him, and it's just it's just the way that it is. There's you know there's going to be differences within <laughs> within within this fan base for sure. We see it we see it every game. We see it every every night. People have their opinions, and they they all fan fan a different way. And this is the most polarizing aspect of this team, right? From from you know just the run of the mill. Um, typical fan to to the fans that are you know that have more have that have an analytical uh, eye to for the game right so I don't know a couple of them for sure were trolling us and we were laughing about it and laughing about the 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 way everybody's just just uh, going off on it and the truth is we spend a lot of time talking about people on the fourth line and 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 that's the reason why because. You know, we have the advantage of having a lineup now that that pretty much is is solid from top to bottom. You know, other than a little bit of deployment here and a little bit of line shuffling, who do we have to gripe about? Is you know, the twelfth forward in, yeah. in, in, by every sense of the imagination, right? So, uh, yeah, they have fun at it. You know, you know, I, I made the mistake of listening to Kevin O today. In, in the car. Why would you do that to around. yourself? Well, I, you know what? I was just curious. And you know what? I, it's like nails on the chalkboard, really. But, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was driving my dad to the doctor and I, I flipped it on 1290 and I, and I started swearing it. And my dad looks at me, why are you even listening to this? And I, you know. <laughs> And yeah, it's 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 funny. It's funny, but you know what? We're we're pretty funny too. Like you know, the way get guys get and the way people tweet, and you know, we got we got called what a bunch of groupies today, and you know. <laughs> yeah, by we're by a friend of the show too. So yeah, it's our own people. Yeah, that's awesome. Well. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a good place to be. Like, you know, being a Jets fan right now is, we have it pretty good. We have it pretty yeah. good. We're griping about a first place team. Yeah, I get that. I, I, you know, you know, I get that we're in first place. I guess that we're, I get, I get that we're winning. But is, is it really that bad that we want them to do better? That they want them to be more solid from top to bottom? I don't, I don't think so. But, you know, and we're, we're never gonna change. You know, pom poms are never gonna change. But it, you know. It's, it's fun, and, and you know the, the media picks up on it. Certain yeah. people in the media pick up on it, and and they will troll. But. Yeah, for sure. Which is and yeah, and it's 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 fun, right? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not as as serious. It's more lighthearted now that the Jets are actually in first place, and it's kind of. But it, it you know, when they were struggling the first couple of years there, it was kind of maybe not so in uh, lighthearted and stuff. But you know, and it's good that the the media. You know, I think that's a good good trade is engagement online whether it's trolling or just you know engagement back and forth and i think that's important as well and just yeah like the, like the first season was like euphoria right we just we just yeah it. everything was great right and now everything yeah. is great because they're was winning. it really but <laughs> yeah, but a, lot it was. People, a lot of people you know a lot people that were thinking that we were going to win right away with you know we're on glue, right? And then, and then, as as when the season ended, and we we look we look at how the management was 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 going about this this build or rebuild or whatever it was. The first bone of contention for a lot of fans is is how they were going to build this team. Should they change it wholesale? Should 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 they do it piece by piece? And you know what? 
after year one and, and, and having the, the one draft and hearing that we're going to build through the draft and then looking at it, that's where that's where frustration started mounting for for some of the people that were that are, that are a little bit more analytical, right? Because how can you judge the on ice play? And then you know you know the Jets for the first few seasons would compete until the spring and give us give us a hope and then have like that back to back scenario against the Capitals on oh. second. Oh, my goodness. When you look back at those days and then look, look at the, look at the plugs that were in the lineup then. Like, I mean, no, let's not, no, don't do it. Don't yeah, say that. Honestly, like, you know, you know, <laughs> when I, when I was interviewing Tim, you know, talking about his line mates, like really like, Benjamin Mahachek, like, I mean, listen, like, you know, McLean and, and look at James Wright and all these yeah. plugs that are on this team. Like we're, you know, right now, the, the team that we have right now, it's crazy to think where we were. Like, yeah. I mean, it's only, it's only been seven years, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. the thing for me though, is just, I think when people are disingenuous about like oh you know you all want maurice fired or you want chevy fired it's like no no but what happened at those times right where some of those were really bad offenses i mean uh i don't think you can look over the public contract the Stewart, the thorburn or thorburn yeah, resigning sure. there's a lot and, of, yeah for sure there are a lot of missteps yeah like, and so just, i just want people to be honest about it right yeah they've drafted well they, they lucked into lining and you know they've drafted well like um yeah. Just, just look at this lineup, and that's that's the thing that's amazing is 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 how many homegrown Jets there really are. Yeah, you know how, how many real Winnipeg two two point zero Jets there are there are right now, right? And uh, it, it it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty good time to be a Winnipeg Jet fan, I think. But you know, uh, I'd like to mention uh, Ron Ron Hainsey scored tonight for uh, Toronto. Just gonna throw okay. that out there. First goal in nine years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Wait, <laughs> those you ever scored for the Jets were against the Jets. So. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think him, him and Adam Party are two players that I don't think they ever scored a goal for the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. So I that think played that was... a significant amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. That was yeah. Part of our tri- yeah. Exactly. That was part of our trivia episode. So sorry, Katie, I cut you off when you were going to say that was everything great in the beginning because I just want to remember December of 2011 as being the best December ever. And I know you're going to come and tell <laughs> us how bad the team actually was. No, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Like I. I was okay. very much strictly a Boston fan, like for my entire life. I, I never paid attention to Jets 1.0. I didn't care when they left. And then, like when they came back, I kind of peripher- peripherally started to watch simply because, I mean, I was living in Saskatchewan <clears throat> at the time, but I'm from Manitoba, so I started paying attention. And I didn't watch a lot of games, but the ones that I did see. They looked really, really bad. So I don't, I don't have a good perspective on that point in time. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised to hear you guys say that it was a great year because it was outside, great in the sense, in. <laughs> yeah, in the sense that we're happy to be here, not that yeah, we were, we were, we were giddy that we had a hockey back. I mean, yeah, that's that's yeah, where we were going with it, that. Yeah, that, it, that's it. That's all. Yeah. If you look at my tweets that first season, I tweeted hashtag GST. I tweeted. Hashtag MV Pavlik. Like I mean, <laughs> a lot of shit that I tweeted that first year. That was 
Yeah, I look back now, it's hella embarrassing, oh, you I know? I forgot about MV Pavlik. Pavlicricity. Pavlicricity. So, we got, the, we got the game tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if we need to preview that too much, but just curious, are you guys going to take in any of the All-Star? Are you going to watch it? Uh, yes or no? I don't have time Anyone? for that. No? Uh, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, Daniel, how about you? All-Star game, uh, you going to watch it? Uh, highly unlikely, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Daniel, See catch the highlight. Yeah. Roddy? No. Okay, so <laughs> that makes, uh, let's see, four out of four divided by the square. That's 100% of us will not be paying attention to the All-Star game. Okay, bad fans. Uh, we do actually, I, I sent out a tweet asking for some people to send some questions. So this first one is for, uh, uh, I think, me specifically because it's uh, – my boss, but also Roddy knows him uh, too. So I'm gonna let Roddy answer because I think he's making fun of me because I wear. Oh, a I saw this. I saw uh, this tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Roddy, are Tabasco T-shirts are they overrated? Yes or no? This is very Jets Jets related. So Tabasco T-shirts overrated? No, no, they're not. No. Okay, I said they're underrated. But uh, okay, Katie, I'm gonna give you the next one. Should we let the Preds? This is a serious question. Should we let the Preds make the first move at the trade deadline or jump first? And do we need to go all splashy like last year or just a filler? So what do, what do the Jets need to add? And uh, do we need to wait for some chips to fall or should we be the first to act? Oh, shit. Actually, I've been like debating that question internally, whether or not they should make a big splash like last year or just pick up some small pieces. I think there's a lot of big holes on this roster that need to be filled before we can really like consider this team a contender, not just a playoff team, but a real Stanley cup contender, especially obviously uh, second pair left defense and uh, second line center. However, I'm just because they've been so kind of middling this year and with how important it is to have a first round pick now and kind of how the Jets and I'm not saying this as a negative they're you know good young prospects have graduated to the NHL and now the prospect pipeline is starting to dry out very quickly and that happens when team teams get good unless you're like Tampa Bay who is a ridiculous unicorn who always has great prospects no matter what but yeah like I just I wonder whether or not it's worth spending that pick in particular to compete when you kind of know that this team isn't really as good as last year's and may not like likely don't have the same chance of winning at all. That said, I really want Jake Muzzin. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard both arguments that this is the year to go all in or are they sort of middling around and next year's the year I've heard. Uh, the argument for both. So you mentioned Jake Muzzin, and you also mentioned the two Cs. So Jake Muzzin is obviously a left side D. Um, do you have any uh, personal preference for targets for a two C? Uh, yes. Obviously, it sounds like you don't want to give up a first round pick. So you give up uh, some more negligible uh, picks and prospects. Um, so who do you have for a two C? Who would you pencil so, in? So actually, uh, I was discussing this with our uh, friend of the pod, Harrison, before, but. Mm -hmm. My my pick to upgrade forward, and you would definitely need to spend the first round pick to get him, would actually be Mark Stone, who was a winger. And I know, I know we have like Jets have wingers coming out of their ass, 
but he is one of the best play drivers in the league. Like his numbers this year have been better than Patrice Bergeron's on the Senators. Like <laughs> the Senators. I, I can't. Stone I really think that Stone would be the perfect player. Um, even if he has to play on his off wing, put him on a line with line A. And that that's how you would get your play driving and you would get your scoring out of line A. I would love to see Mark Stone come home. Do it, Chevy. Bring Do Stone it. home. Hashtag Start bring Stone thing. home. Yeah. All right. He doesn't like signing a Manitoba, so don't worry. It's not going to happen. All right. Um, okay, this one <laughs> concerns Mew has four times as many goals as line in the last nine games. Yeah, I knew you alluded to that. Um, uh, Steve said, is Brandon Lemieux the best player on the ice right now? No, he's not. Local mainstream media has me convinced that his production is amazing. Okay, uh, we I think we touched on that, Steve, so uh, I don't think we need to say anything else. Uh, Roddy, uh, do those of us who used to dump on Tanev have to admit that we were wrong? So, and which is good because I actually want to touch on Tanev for my friend uh, Brady um, because uh, I've talked about Tanev too many times. So, um, what do you think? Of, do we all need to apologize for Tanev hate before? I, I don't think I need to apologize. Uh, maybe we need to admit that he's he's, <coughs> he's having a good year and he's not horrible. Like he's 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 got some pretty you know okay numbers right now, right? So. Yeah, I, I don't think I need to apologize by any stretch. He's Roddy, apologize. Do it. Do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not gonna apologize. Do it. <laughs> he's not he's you know, I apologize, you know, I maybe shouldn't have slagged him. He's always had that blue steel look, so maybe uh, <laughs> I I have to apologize for, for not appreciating that enough that that look is forever etched in my memory. When I close my eyes, I exactly <laughs> what Brandon Tanev looks like. So, you know, it's well, just, you know. It's like, it's forever etched on his face too, right? Like, <laughs> his face doesn't change. It's just always there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I do want to say one thing about Tanev, and this is for everyone who's ever heard me talk about Tanev. I will say this. Tanev, right now, I would say, well, in, you know, the last, whatever, 15, 20 games, is playing as well as everyone thought he was playing, you know, three years ago or whatever, when everybody fell in love with his hustle, it, you know, he gets noticed, he would hit and everything. And everyone talked about how, what a great player he was and Maurice gave him chances. And he was literally one of the worst forwards in the league. Like he was, he was terrible. And I watched him with the moose and he was terrible. I said, this guy's never going to be in the NHL. He'd be a, a third line AHLer, but he's been given every single opportunity. He's played uh, in an insane amount of minutes and he's been very healthy. I mean, like he's, I don't think he's missed a game to actually, I feel like every <laughs> one. If I'm not mistaken, so so he's resilient, right, and throws the body out there, blocking the shots, doing all those things that people like to see. A guy sacrificing himself and continue to stay healthy. So for for him, all that for finding a role, good for him. But he started off as a huge project, and he leapfrogged a bunch of players that have more uh, skill upside, more hockey IQ upside. And for that, I will not apologize because I think you it would be better to play your prospects. You know, again, to play Patan, whatever. I'd, uh, I'm not going to just go down that road, but just players like that that are literally better, better hockey players. But this guy, he plays, you know, he's probably seventh, you know, sixth or seventh in minutes on the Jets right now. He's played more than Perot uh, and Perot <laughs> has injured this year. Uh, 
And uh, so, I mean, he's given every single opportunity to fail for the last two or three years, whatever it is. And he's managed to do something with that. So for him, congratulations. I mean, that's, that's great for him. But I don't think that he should have been given every single opportunity over other guys. But the fact that he has and he's playing as well now as the way that people told me before. They're like, oh, don't you love that Tanev? Isn't he great? Is he great? I'm like, no, he's, he's literally terrible. And now he's actually good. I mean, he's figured it out. So good for him. That's that's great. Over that's, overtime yep. minutes too. Overtime Tanev. We have overtime Tanev too. How yeah. fast? Yeah, that was. You know what? That actually that was a fun shift out there. Oh, that it was, was the one with Niku. That was ex- yeah. Yeah, Tanev and Connor, right? Yeah, so, that was great. That was. I really enjoyed that <laughs> shift. I, I I do have to say he you know he is benefiting from playing with Matthew Perot too, right? So Perot and. And Lowry, so yeah, right now he's getting like that's like golden opportunity. Right that there. is huge, that's, yeah, yeah. He's Absolutely. the benefactor of a lot of good work down there, right? So for sure, and but I mean, he is also he has to go out there and do the stuff, and so yes, he's not the play driver, he's not the best player on his line on any given line, but uh, he again, he's done the most with the opportunity, and for what he is, I think he's playing as well as he probably ever could. And would probably equal a bigger contract, and not with the Jets. And uh, it, next year would be my guess. So unless we get a couple bridge deals out of uh, Line and Connor, but we'll see about that. Daniel, uh, you already probably have a bit of insight to that from one of your interviews about uh, what the likelihood of bridge deals are with those two. But we won't get into that. Um, yeah. So. But that's I just... the most interesting thing. Oh, okay. Well, well, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, do you remember your your, um, uh... your and what he said? Okay, uh, well, you got to go back and listen to Daniel's interview with, uh, his name is Hart, and he's the guy in charge of Puckpedia yeah, website, and, which is yeah, a pretty, check, good, uh, pretty good website. And, it's uh, actually a really good tool, yeah, check it out, to, you know, just plug yeah. him on there too, and that was, that was a really fun interview for me to do, and that was uh, just the end of December, if you actually want to go check out what he said about all the agents and contracts and stuff. Yeah, nice. that was absolutely well. Yeah, he's because he had a real insight into how these agents have always acted, which agents are sort of uh, like Kyle Connor's agent, I believe, Daniel, if you remember this correctly. I think Kyle Connor is like his biggest fine. Like he sort of has this uh, portfolio of uh, young guys. None of them are really established. And Kyle Connor, this could be the first contract. That's his he's first big deal. Up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so how he's going to play that contract? Is he going to, you know, Alan Walsh it or, or I think it's Alan Walsh, right? Truba's agent. Yeah. Um, uh, is he going to do something like that and play real hardball, or is he? But it was Kurt Overhart. That's Overhart. Overhart. Yeah. yeah. Walsh is Pavlik. Walsh is Pavlik. Pavlik. Yeah. Yeah. Walsh Pavlik. is the guy who likes to tweet insults about GMs when his players aren't getting yeah. enough ice time. Pro, pro, pro leaks agent as well, right? Then. Yeah. Because he has a pro leak. Okay, sorry, Anyhow. Um yeah, so that, that's all I was going to say about Tana. But, uh, yeah, you should definitely check out that old episode because Hart uh, did have some interesting insight there. Um, two, two things I'm going to uh, share, just some stories that uh, you guys probably haven't heard. Um, Scott Campbell uh, <coughs> uh, Scott Campbell was in town the other day, whatever. He was, you know, posting lots of pictures with people. He met those guys from Atlanta. Did you actually get a chance to meet up with Scott or no? I did, yeah. Okay, well, he tweeted out something. That's great because uh, you weren't able to come out when we were there because uh, you weren't feeling well. Hopefully you're feeling better. Um, should have checked with you before uh, talking with you for the last hour and a half on a podcast. But Scott shared this story, which I think it's fair to share because he kind of alluded to it online. But when he was a player, uh, I believe there's a young child that came up to him with a, and said, hey, can I have your stick? And Scott said, no, I, kid, I can't give you my stick. I'm, I'm assuming it's just in the tunnel. I, I'm trying to remember the details. So sorry, Scott and 
the other person involved if I get this wrong. And he said, no, no, I can't give you the stick because at that time he said it was a hundred dollar fine to give your stick away. And back then in 1978, 79, you know, a hundred bucks, whatever, just giving it to some random kid. He said, no. So then uh, Scott, uh, he felt bad. And uh, he's like, I want to give the kid a stick, whatever. So he went and he stepped on the stick and kind of put a big gouge in it with the, the blade of his skate into the stick and then went to the trainer and said, ah, oh, look at this stick. It's got a big gouge in it. It's a, I can't use this, this, right? I might as well just give this, this one away. And the trainer, <laughs> Scott, the way he described it, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, Scott, sure. You might as well just give that one away. So he gave the stick to the kid. Well, that kid ended up being Jason Bell from the Winnipeg Free Press, who um, in Scott's trip here... <laughs> He actually said, I've kept the stick all these years. And, you know, they just kind of shared a moment over it. And he actually gave him his stick back. So Scott's stick, it's got the date on it, November 28th, 1979, one month before my birthday. And uh, it's got the gouge in it and the, the story. And as Jason Bell kind of retold the story to him, then Scott's, it, you know, it's all coming back to me. He says, yeah, I put the gouge in it, right? So I could give it to you. So I just think that's kind of fun connection that uh, Scott had with Jason Bell. And, uh, yeah, like I said, he tweeted about that. So there's a bit of the, the backstory for anybody who uh, – just kind of saw the tweet and didn't know that. And then uh, there was those uh, three gentlemen that came down, uh, came up from Atlanta to watch a bunch of Jets games. They're very good luck. I mean, the Jets and the Moose both did very well with them here. So, uh, <coughs> but uh, Scott, the dad and his two sons, just quick story about his, uh, his thing. They're actually going to come on the podcast and Max is going to interview them. But uh, Scott, the dad, he uh, was a season ticket holder with the Atlanta Thrashers. And they called him up about a week before the very last season game. They weren't making the playoffs. And he said, hey, we want to um, – holy Katie, you're just no way there. Are you okay? Are you okay, Katie? Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm just so dumb. I'm so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, Katie? Oh, my oh. God. Okay, okay, shut up. We're going to have to delete Anyhow. this whole episode. Now. <laughs> so, Scott. Uh, they, they said, do you want to be one of the uh, people who want to do the jerseys off our back thing? So at the very last game, uh, I don't know if Atlanta won or lost, but their, their season was over. So Scott went down there and uh, he got um, the jersey from Brian Little. So Brian Little's last game-worn jersey, he took it off. I mean, Evander Kane did it before him, the number nine, and then came and did number 10 because that's what Brian Little was wearing there. Took the jersey off his back, gave it to Scott signed it and uh so he had that one so when if you saw those atlanta thrasher fans that were at the last couple jets games that was the dad scott was actually wearing brian little's last game worn atlanta thrashers jersey signed so anyhow just a fun little story i figured i'd share that with everyone on the podcast and you guys who maybe uh didn't hear it i know you guys weren't uh weren't there when when i heard the story so well, that's, that's it awesome. that's cool yeah that's great yeah there you go so some fun stories yeah <laughs> So I just feel like, oh, I'm just rambling so much. I shut up already. And I'm just wandering around my basement in my in my mom's basement being a troll, making a podcast. You know, we're such terrible people. <laughs> and you, and your, you, and your, you and your groupies. Like, seriously. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I am literally in my, ba my basement, though. But uh, anyhow, I think that's it, guys. Is there any other topics you guys want to quickly hit on? Anything you want to promote? Uh, Radia, uh, any interviews that you're doing? Daniel, we're still working on some. Uh, for you, but uh, yeah, just figure I'll give you guys one last uh, final word and then we'll uh, shut her down. Uh, yeah, trying to get Scott Oak on the, on the show um, and Melissa Martin too, uh, but I am going to be setting up the Clitty, the Clitty show. So, and what about and Ezra, Ezra Ginsburg from the Lou? As he will, yeah, I'll hook up with him in the next week or so and, and, and get him on too. So, I'll probably do that one live. 
uh, and in person, like like I did uh, Hustler and uh, and Rick. So yeah, should be right. fun. All right, Daniel. Any uh, last words uh, about uh, just Life Jets podcast? Uh, Moose, all star. Yeah, whatever. go. Uh, I just uh, I got nothing else to add from what I added. Uh, all right, we're done with Daniel. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's about it. Uh, Twitter Daniel WPG fifty five. If you don't already follow me, do that. Um, or just, un- or unblock them. Maybe unblock it. Yeah, I'll take an unblock too. I have a few that you know, whatever. But that's that's all fun and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, and working on a few maybe potential interviews. We'll see what whenever I don't work. Um, that's been a problem lately. But uh, yeah, that's about all I got. All right, sounds good. And the last word goes to the lady, Lady Katie. What's up? What do you want to say? Do it. I have literally nothing to say, guys. I don't really have anything on the go, so. No, that's true. Katie, do you want to do Unfortunate side effect of working all the time. Oh, that's yep. true. You're, you're one of those. I forgot about that. I am, yeah. Right. Well, that's it. That's the show. Thank you. Oh, uh, three. oh hashtag. What's our hashtag, Roddy? Yeah, what is it, Roddy? What was it again? Not goals. Not, Not goals. goals. Was it with, with the, the Z? N-U-T-G-O-A-L-Z? Yeah, let's go with the Z. Not goals, okay. yes. Good one. Yeah. I think you might have uh, might need to search that on the Twitter people if you want to know what the story behind it is. Because I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't. I didn't read all that. I don't know what the hell we're talking. <laughs> didn't you read the original tweet? Oh come on! Uh, it was, it, I know it's related to the Clitsum, the Clitsum, uh, him coming on the oh. podcast. Oh, but nothing to do with Clitsum. I'm, I'm kind of scared to I check did. out that hashtag. Search it. Search it. Um, you didn't see the original tweet, AJ? I well, I thought I did. I thought it was related to that. I don't know. I was working too, so and then I napped. I'll, I'll look it up right now. But look for now, at 12.08 a.m. Uh, <laughs> we, we went a little long. We went a little long today. Yeah. All right. Anyhow, uh, thank you all. Enjoy the Jets game tomorrow, and thanks for taking the time. Peace. Bye. Bye.